0: Right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Connecticut Impressions Movie News. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about a bunch of things. Uh, I'm Arnie. I'm Andy. All right, so today on the docket, we're going to talk about the long-awaited announcement that finally it is announced that Michael B. Jordan will be directing Creed Three. Thank God. Who didn't know that was going to happen? <laughs> also, we're going to talk about Steven Spielberg's new film, which is going to be kind of a biopic about himself. Um, Then we're going to talk about Elizabeth Banks' new joint called Cocaine Bear. That sounds fun. Uh, And then finally, we're going to talk about uh, a kind of a fun thing. Uh, There's a movie that's going to be made about the Great Emu War War in Australia that's going to include Rob Schneider and John Cleese. So we're just going to start off with the first news story. Creed 3 has finally officially been announced to be directed by Michael B. Jordan. I'm going to read a little bit from an article from Slash Film to introduce the new story. Deadline reports that MGM has slotted Creed 3 for Thanksgiving 2022. And the studio finally provided official confirmation that Jordan will be getting behind the camera for his directing debut on the new movie. Uh, Kalen Kugler... And Zach Balin uh, will be writing the script, which is based on an outline by original Creed writer-director Ryan Coogler, who no word about whether or not, and also no word on whether or not Sylvester Stallone will return as Rocky Balboa. Quote, uh, this is a quote from Michael B. Jordan himself. Directing has always been an aspiration, but the timing had to be right. Michael B. Jordan said in a statement, Creed 3 is that moment a time in my life where I've grown more sure of who I am, holding agency in my own story, maturing personally, growing professionally, and learning from the greats like Ryan Coogler, most recently Denzel Washington, and other top-tier directors I respect, all of which sets the table for this moment. This franchise, in particular, the themes of Creed Three are deeply personal to me. I look forward to sharing the new chapter of Adonis Creed's story. with the awesome responsibility of being director and the namesake. All right. All right, Drew. I think we all knew this was going to happen because we've been reporting it and we've been talking about this and Ryan's been talking about it. Tessa Thompson's been talking about it. Um, So finally, confirmation. (laughs) Yeah, uh, confirmation. Michael B. Jordan is going to direct. Um, There is no word yet on exactly what this is going to be or what kind of story this is going to be. But I kind of like the fact that the Rocky Balboa, like franchise has been a launching point for actors to enter into directing and to writing and things like that. Just kind of, you know, speaking of how Rocky got into, into, into motion first, being a Sylvester Stallone written script, you know? Um, So what do you think, man? Uh, I, 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 I don't know much about the guys who are writing the movie. I didn't know Kalen Kugler was part of this. Um but I, I he's he's actually been uh, has writing credits on Creed, Fruitville Station and Black Panther. And then Zach Balin.
1: he was also uh, he, he was also in um he was in Fruitville like as one of the oh, characters. That kind of yeah. makes sense, you know, a lot, a lot of nepotism yeah. in Hollywood, you know. But most <laughs> of his IMDb is assistant to Mr. Kugler. Yeah. <laughs> uh, doesn't
0: yeah it's like yeah he's you know bringing his brother in there to mix uh and then zach balin i have his amdb as well he's written for the creed he's really he actually just has uh announcements for creed 3 as a as a as a writer and then he also wrote king richard um king richard is the project that denzel washington is in that with i think it's cougars in it as well where it's actually about um the father of vanessa and serena williams yeah venus yeah. yeah, and Venus Williams, and um, and it's it's with um, I think it's Will Denzel Smith? playing their father
1: or is oh, it Will Smith.
0: I think it's I know, Will Smith, yeah, you're right, you're right. It's yeah, it's Will Smith playing the Venus Rita Williams father. Um, like, um, I don't know, like, where do you think this is gonna go? Because we left, we last left this off, right? It was with, I believe, Adonis was about to have a kid, right? Yeah. wrong about that. Yeah, and then he had this whole thing where he f- had to fight basically mm-hmm. for his own, his own pride, you know, and to avenge his father. He had to go into that ring and he had to fight that off. Um, and then I guess this is kind of like a parallel to you know his, Michael's life as well, where he's kind of maturing in his own life as well and doing his own thing. Like, where do you think it's gonna go, man? It's like I feel like it's really up in the air with yeah. what it could really be. Um, I think there's I a lot
1: can... of I think there's a lot of places we can go with it. Um, you know, like like you mentioned, um, we still get Keenan Co- Coogler. I think I think you're absolutely right. Like it's kind of cool that we pass the mantle. Like you know, Sylvester Stallone and his thing with Rocky, and now it's kind of passing the mantle where Michael B. Jordan's going to get like to make Creed his own little thing as well. Um, I like I like that whole notion in it. But w- when you look at like the the history, like I don't know. I don't know how we're going to go. I don't know what stories left because we kind of skipped, you know, we kind of skipped um, the Rocky stories that, like one of my favorite Rocky stories, which I mean, you know, this is all based on is Rocky 2, where he, he, and like, he finds a foe that's his rival and the rival, the rivalry becomes somewhat of like something like a friendship and that friendship turns into something—a machine that's unstoppable. And then the next movie, that unstoppable thing, gets cut short because of a—not um, Adonis, but what's his uh, what's his father's name? Apollo. Sorry, Apollo dying, and that that happens because Apollo dies. Oh yeah, I like so, that. So, like, if we can do some kind of parallel to that, I think I would love that personally. Um, there's another Rocky movie where, you know, he, he teaches a young protege and that young protege kind of turns on him. Uh, that's one of the most hated Rocky movies, uh, to, yeah. to, like, to date. Um, and so, like, we have already done the Russian thing. You know, we've kind of done the Russian thing. And, like, I mean, it was played perfectly. And, um, a lot of big things in, I forget which Rocky it is, but it was like a lot of big things is like, you know, it's not, it's, it's that Rocky, I know Rocky wants to stop because it's actually causing brain damage, you know, like Mm. boxing is a bad sport, boxing was very ridiculed during those times. Um, and so like, I think that's a big thing where like, you know, do you want more time with your family or do you want more time boxing? And then at the end of the movie, he kind of has to question, well, like, I have to do this for me. And so I think that's another story that could get played out. Yeah. Um, I, I'd really love to see something original played with some of those notes, you know, like, kind of those callbacks that, that I'm saying. Yeah. Um, those are some of the things that, like, I think we could take and, like, make into a really good script. I, I think, I think in the hands of these two writers, though, I mean, you know, I know this uh, Zach guy, Zach Balin, is, is a little unproven. Um, but he looks like he has a a great career ahead of him already. Um, Yeah,
0: he's done a lot of art. He's been in the art department for a bunch of
1: movies. Yeah, yeah, like um, Dave Chappelle's Block Party, the documentary. (laughs) I saw saw that on this thing. Um, But, you know, with Keenan, I mean, Keenan, I think those were good scripts that Keenan wrote. So I think it's going to be interesting no matter what. Uh, It does scare me that he's not going to be in it. Because the, the the how I wanted this franchise to end, uh, Sylvester Stallone not going to be in it. sorry. Yeah. it uh, that was in my head and I didn't say it out loud. Kind of makes me nervous that Sylvester Stallone's not going to be in it. The only reason why is because I want him to him to go out similar to um, how in Rocky Mickey Mickey goes out, Mickey mm. dies and and kind of like not to avenge his death, but like in the Rocky sense of things. Rocky always has a motivation to get him through the third act. There's always motivation to get him like at one point, you know, Mickey's dying and Rocky stops training so he could be with Mickey on his deathbed. And that's like a big thing. I think we already played that with Creed and then, and then um, Sylvester Stallone in the hospital. And the big thing that gets us out of that into the montage, the fighting, the training montage which is a big staple in all Rocky films yeah. is, is Mickey's like Mickey's Mickey's going to get better. Mickey has a turning point and he, you know, or like, or, you know, he's, you think he's going to get better. And then Mickey's like, go beat his ass. And then Rocky's like, okay. And then training yeah. begins. And so I, I've always wanted the Rocky series. I, I, I knew he wasn't going to be here forever, but I, I always thought that like with one of these movies, I thought it was going to happen in the last one because they played into it very well. Oh, SWAT! And so uh, I thought I thought like the best thing would be, you know, Sylvester Stallone um, kind of, you know, his character dying in the movie. if If he didn't want to do one anymore and that causing motivation for one last one last Creed fight. No, that's all that stuff is amazing. That sorry it was great sorry, I went on
0: a I know, that, absolutely like the, the scenarios that you're bringing up were just so in tune with what the actual rocky franchise is and the and the themes that it could be i really like i like the you idea tell,
1: you rocky? <laughs>
0: <laughs> for sure no i i like i like all those ideas i think the one that stood out to me was the one where he's like he's fighting to like keep his family afloat but then also he's like staying away from his family so he needs to go back to his family right so it's like a a, a juxtaposition of he needs to fight but he also needs to like spend time with his family is it fighting or his family i like that i like that a
1: lot and i think that's a mature way of kind of telling the story off right and Um, those are those are just those are things that like sylvester stallone wrote you know in the in the mid 80s that like are are really stories that can just be recreated over Absolutely. and over. And I was just like, "Dang, man! Like the, that is a timeless. Like if you remake the movie, it's timeless. It's timeless. And so, yeah, man. I mean, you know, one day maybe we'll. Uh, hopefully, we'll get something. I, I think uh, it's going to be. I'm hoping it's a good movie. It has the bones. They've yeah. already done so much that they've like they've taken the ideas that I thought I had that were good. And they were like, "Oh yeah, that that's a great one." Like, uh, like when I saw Creed two, when I saw the preview for Creed two, I was just like, "Every Rocky fan's gonna go out and see it because this is exact." Y'all, y'all did a perfect callback to the original, and like, calling back to the original is what gets the fans in the stands. For um, Sure, I have climbed the steps. I have climbed the steps of the <laughs> museum. I have put my feet where uh, he has some uh, Rocky has cemented feet where the statue once was and you could put your shoe next to it. And then nice. his statue got moved down, down to the bottom of the steps and a little bit to the side. So I have done that. It's, it's cool. And there, to, fun fact, there's a Rocky marathon that uh, goes through Philly and ends. It ends on that strip where he's like sprinting. Yeah. And then you, and like you, you finish the marathon by climbing the steps and, yeah. like, Fuck and yeah. getting to do that, which I think that's like super cool. I think, I think, uh, if you're a true Rocky fan, somebody should go, go do that marathon. That's awesome. That's incredible. That's a good wreck for everybody, man. A good <laughs> rec, man. Yeah, uh, I I just I, I wish Michael be Jordan the absolute best in all this.
0: You know, kind of harking back to what you said earlier. I kind of also like the idea of him like building up his own nemesis. <laughs> that that's also like an idea that's really interesting too. Right, um, like
1: because like yeah. the Apollo thing is a good was a good idea. Yeah, building up his own nemesis. And then becoming best friends with his nemesis, like lifelong friends with his nemesis, like,
0: yeah. And then avenging him, and then eventually turning his son, and then his son taking over the mantle. I mean, that's just, that's just fucking, that's just, that's just beautiful fucking storytelling and just like real Greek and Roman like stuff. We can do doing. this forever,
1: yeah, <laughs> like, you know, like because then because then whoever takes over the creed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be directing the next one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dude, that's
0: so. Oh man, that's so good. I mean, I, 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 I hope. I just hope it's good, man. I hope it's good. I, I really fucking want to root for Michael B. Jordan, man. And I hope he fucking knocks it out of the park. I think he's ready. I think he's doing. I think his his path to directing. Is the path that a lot of actors have had to directing, and like, like you know, I think there's a few examples there that aren't the same, but like, I think it's pretty clear that directors going into and actually directing their own films is a good thing. Most of them do it really well. Um, Obviously, the Ben Affleck, uh, the Ben Affleck thing, like he knocks it out of the park almost all the time. He's got maybe one or two stinkers in there for sure.
1: Uh, uh, Who else? Robin Williams has done some really good stuff as well. I mean, um, we spin Matt Damon. Like, if we're spinning Ben, you yeah. know, even Matt Damon. Matt Damon picks his projects very well now.
0: Yeah, for sure. And uh, I think they both wrote uh, the what was that movie back in the day? Goodwill um, Hunting. Goodwill Hunting. Man, they both wrote that. Yeah, great movie. I think I've always had this theory about. Um, about actors who become directors and why they tend to actually do it really well. It's because as an actor on the set, you are the one
1: person where every single department talks to and you are affected by every single department. And- uh, Side question for you, I, cause I don't know the answer to this. Did did they write Goodwill Hunting before or after the Kevin Smith movies? They wrote it,
0: they wrote it before. They wrote it before and it was actually a spy thriller before. And uh, Kevin Smith actually was instrumental in getting that movie made because he worked with Miramax, right? And he had Ben
1: Affleck as, a, as like, one of his go-to actors for a couple movies. No, and that's like what ben I'm saying. Affleck, so like, yeah. so did, did, uh, did those Kevin Smith movies when, you know, like, Chasing Amy, did Chasing Amy, I, I don't know the chronological order. Did, I could look it up. but It like, was did, Mallrats, then Chasing Amy. I, I don't know, like. What, the, where's Goodwill in that?
0: So I think so Ben Affleck and Matt Damon were writing those movies while Ben was was like a, like a young heartthrob in Hollywood and like I think Mallrats was one of his early
1: early roles um and so That's he he like already was in Hollywood you, yeah. you are, I didn't I didn't know that yeah cuz like I I just saw uh, Chasing Amy where uh even Matt Damon's in it Matt Damon's in it for a second and I was like oh yeah. cool
0: Yeah Damn. yeah 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 they were buddies for a long time before and they wrote it together um and then like I think they got notes from somebody and then like they showed it to Kevin and then Kevin loved it and showed it to, uh, he who shall not be named at Miramax, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Weinstein. Uh, and they loved it. And like, they hooked them together with, um, uh, forget the guy who directed, uh, who directed Go Hunting. Um, if you look that up, but they, they actually like gave him the script. He loved it too. And they and so like that whole project came together because Gus Van Sant. Yeah, Gus Van Sant. Yeah. So Gus Van loved it. Gave them some notes about rewriting it. They took a year to write it and then the project came together and like while they were filming Dogma was when the Oscars was happening where they were nominated for best, for for best screenplay. Wow. And so Kevin Smith Actually, like walked them to the airport, or like took them to the airport and like said to their goodbyes where they were going to the Oscars while Dogma was being filmed. And it was it was one of uh, Ben Affleck's like things that he hated that he never thanked Kevin Smith during the acceptance speech for writing for *Good Will Hunting*, because Kevin Smith was instrumental in getting that movie
1: made. Um, but, so one one little bit of little they trivia there. the airport, like I think yeah. that would funny, you know, like. Thanks, Kevin, yeah. for giving us a ride to the airport. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's so, one of those things. So, like, I, I, I really like, like, that's the thing. I think actors, especially big Hollywood pictures and stuff like that, they're really like, they're really like honed to become directors because, like, every department, they are affected and they are in the know of every department, so they understand the animal and the machine. I think better than a lot of other people on those sets. You know, like it makes sense for like a sound guy. That's kind of how it happens, production design guy or you're a sound guy, you're eventually become an editor and then an assistant AD. And then eventually, you know, you become the director. But like you have to go through the path of being an assistant director because the assistant director is actually the guy on the boots on the ground who really does everything, right? They're the one right. that like makes sure the location's good, they make sure that the actors are there, they make sure that all of the departments are talking to each other. And then you become a director. And that the director doesn't really do much on the set besides just to kind of like make sure that the decisions are made on like the costumes, right? The director is basically the guy who... Like everybody, the heads of the department, they just show them. They show them the scrapbook, and they're like, yep, "Yep, that's good, that's good, that's good." And then make sure that's that color. Make sure it's that color. And then make sure we're here. Make sure you find me this kind of place. That's that kind of thing. But the assistant director is the one who actually is all like, "All right, we gotta find this kind of place. Where the fuck is that in the world?" <laughs> you know. And the, but a, but a, an actor is just the person in the middle of everything, being affected by all of it. So they see all the moving parts. So I think, like, Michael B. Jordan, as an actor in the world, especially with all this talent, he has the fucking, like, just know-how and the experience to pull this shit off. Um, So I'm, like, I'm excited, and I hope it's good.
1: Yeah, and good. like you said, I mean, he's been around, I mean, being around Ryan, Ryan and Denzel, uh, people who are inspirations to him like that. And kind of like, I mean, he hasn't been their assistant, but it seen. you know, like he has a close, rela- tight knit relationship with him. Okay. So he's, how, he's already seen how it's kind of done. And I think he's seen how it's done for, you know, smaller movies like Fruitville Station, I think. And yeah. he's seen it for bigger things. He's like, hey, look at us now. We're on, you know, we're doing Black Panther together we yeah. went from no budget <laughs> to yeah. like the entire budget <laughs> like, yeah the all of the budget the yeah, biggest of the so budgets like, so like i think uh, i think now that you know they, they they're making a name for themselves and i think it's going to be good yeah Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Uh, thank you so much for watching and listening and doing all the things for us. Please oh, like, subscribe.
1: Yeah, tell us what you want to see in the Rocky movie. Maybe maybe I got some of my facts wrong. Maybe y'all remember the, I think the Rocky, all the Rocky movies have been released um, this month on HBO Max. So okay. you can watch all the whole sequential, like you can watch everyone, even the bad one I mentioned. That <laughs> named. Um, do, you, do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever seen that bad one? I think it's Rocky Three. Is that is that wrong?
0: I'm wrong about remember. that? I'm not sure. I'm not sure which one. I know there is a bad one that everyone talks about. Just yeah. like they talk about the bad Superman yeah. movie, the new Steven Spielberg joint. All right, just uh, just to kind of recap the news a little bit, I'm going to read a little bit from SlashFilm.com. Steven Spielberg ha- uh, has found his du- his new directing job. It sounds like it will be his most personal film yet. The acclaimed director is on board to co-write and direct a film that will be loosely based on his own childhood growing up in Arizona. And Michelle Williams is in negotiations to play a character inspired by his mother. Um, Spielberg will make the script alongside Oscar-nominated screenwriter Tony Kushner, who has become one of the Spielberg's go-to guys over the past 10 years. Kushner has previously wrote the scripts for Munich, Lincoln... West Side Stories, Uh, and uh, Spielberg himself has previously only written for about three of his uh, own directing efforts, 2001 Uh, 2001, uh, Artificial Intelligence, 1977's Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and he wrote the story for the 1974 The Sugarland Express. The fact that he is going to be an active participant in the writing process is notable. And more than just being a piece of trivia, it lends credence to the idea that this is his very first, his very personal project for him, which means some of the specific child experiences for his cinematic drama. Um, so this is interesting. Uh, first, I mean, we can talk about. Spielberg and his his current directing efforts, and whether or not they're good or not, because I think that's a really appropriate conversation to have about Spielberg and kind of his decline in the last couple of years. I
1: don't and, think he's made. And, and to add that to the list, I, I I want you to finish your point, but like yeah. to add to the list, uh, we should also talk about how very I didn't know what you just said. Like I didn't realize like he has no like things that splash out at me in writing credits as right as far as writing credits go. For sure, uh, and like um.
0: His, like 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 his earlier efforts yes amazing right and he doesn't have much writing effort writing credits which writing he doesn't have many writing credits for his directorial debuts um but i also kind of want to talk about like the fact that he's making a movie about his childhood which to me i it kind of warms my heart because he's going to be making a movie about him making movies as a kid right like that i'm really interested in that because yep. he, like I don't know if you know a lot about his his history, but like he was as a kid he was given a, a, a he was given a Super 8 camera, uh, and he actually like went and made his own home movies, and that's just really cool to me. I want to see that movie, and like the thing about Spielberg that I always love, and that the thing that I think brought him to prominence is the fact that he uses a lot of just really warm and tender. Um, just, uh, I forget the word, uh, wording of it. Um, uh, it, but he just like, he's a guy who uses warm and tenderness in his scripts and tries to bring that into his movies. Um, his recent directing efforts have not been that great. I think Lincoln was his, be- his best movie he's made in the last 10 years. Um, and there's some, definitely some good ones. I really liked Ready Player One. I thought it was good. It just wasn't great, you know? Um, and I, 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 but I also like the fact that he's going back into kind of a personal realm and making a personal movie about his life, right? Uh, and I think that's that's definitely something that a director should do if they're not, you know, really doing well when it comes to directing. I think it's a good thing to kind of step back and do the thing that is a little more personal. He also has West Side Story forthcoming, which, I, 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 I mean, I want to see that. I want to see a good fucking West Side Story directed by Steven
1: Spielberg. So, you didn't watch Drew, what? Spielberg- you didn't like West. I mean you didn't like uh Ready Player One? I want to talk about I that thought part. it was good. I thought it was really fun. But I, it I was thought, I thought there were some missed opportunities. Um, for sure. I think it was very Spielberg-y. And I I can just I'll say I'm not the biggest Spielberg fan. Like, I mean uh-huh. sentimentality you know, was what I was gonna say. Sentimentality. Yeah, like yeah, yeah Very yeah. sentimental.
0: He brings sentimentality to his movies.
1: Yeah, and like uh I'm when I've always felt that he doesn't always bring that that word. I'll just use that word too, you know, sentimentality. I don't always feel, I feel a disconnection when I watch some of his movies. Mm. And I'm thinking of, of like some of my favorite movies of his when I go back and like, I have not watched his greatest things. Like, you know, I have not watched Empire of the Sun. I haven't watched The Last Crusade. Like I'm admitting that. So we care I, I gotta be careful. It's a good movie. I know. <laughs> but, movie. but I'm just saying, like, there's things that like some missed opportunities in minority report is that there's there was no character development in the the like the passion, the the caring. It of was it. a little cold. It was, cold. It was I'm yeah. thinking of like the catch me if you can, where there was there should have been a lot of sentimentality in that was a little cold. Hmm. And you, you really go through the works with these two characters in Catch Me If You Can. Yeah. And like you really grow to them because it's yeah. such a long movie. And you have to because that's the, it's a long movie of, of running.
0: And, and Leonardo
1: brings a lot to the table and, in that movie. And Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks and Leonardo did a bang-up job. Yeah, yeah. He, it, the, the direction was still a little cold to me. um warhorse was the one that i thought had like the most feelings of a movie that was a very sentimental movie and i thought he i think he had some missed opportunities i don't i don't know you know i don't think it went as far as what what it could have been and as far as you know the play you know the play or the opera or whatever it was before it was to you know to theater it it didn't portray that to film. And yeah. so, um, but yeah, he's done, he's done those big budget movies. He's done the post. He did ready player one, the BFG. I mean, he's had a, a movie a year that has an, a big budget that, and, and usually these movies are, I, I guarantee you, we're going to see this in the best picture. We're going to see this at the Academy because yeah. they're like, what do we do? Not send an invitation to, Steven Spielberg. And like, no matter what, like, unless I, you know, I'm not saying like, unless he, uh, gained some skin color, he's not going to win it, but, he <laughs> plays um, so like, it's just the thing. I mean, what, what, what do you think? You, do you kind of agree with the, that, like that coldness that he brings to movies that like, I just never enjoyed
0: yeah, you know, and, and and when you when you're talking about it, especially with my minority report, I did feel it there for sure, and it felt it really hard there. I also felt it in um, War of the Worlds. Um, like I saw what he was trying to do with War of the Worlds, 100, and and I think if you if you juxtapose that with the movies that it, where it, where it really works, you can really feel it. So like one of the reasons Jurassic Park is such a good movie is because it's not really a movie about dinosaurs it is about Sam Neill's character coming to terms with the fact that he's taking care of children and he doesn't want to be a father. Um, You know, like that, like that is really, like, that's where it really, if you feel like it comes out there and it's really good there, then you can kind of see where it juxtaposed that in movies where it doesn't bring, where it doesn't happen. Right. Like, uh, and I do like the fact that I I, like kind of going back to this movie, like this is his biopic. Right. And that's one of the bigger reasons why it's going to be nominated. It is Steven Spielberg's biopic, Michelle Williams, also fan. Fucking tastic actress, and I want to see her play his mother. And I think that's that. That I think is going to make this movie. uh, And like that's the thing too. When when he works with actors that really bring it, I like Tom Cruise. I think Tom Cruise is a great actor. He's not an amazing actor, and Tom Cruise works really well when you have an amazing script. And he plays like Tom Cruise is really good at playing Tom Cruise. When he is the shit, and he is in the movie as the badass, he is a very convincing badass. He does the thing of a main character that you always want in a main character in an action movie. He's the guy that women want to have sex with. He's the guy that guys want to be
1: friends with. Well, I also also, like what you said. I I really like what you said about Catch Me If You Can. Like, Leo kind of carried... Leo carried the script the rest of the way. I feel like the, the movie was better because... Because, you know, what Steven Spielberg couldn't do with it, Leo and Tom put it on their back. And I feel like a lot of these movies, um, Saving Private Ryan to be one of them, you know, like uh, the incredible cast, like those casts carry the movie the rest of the way. Think about Lincoln. I don't think Lincoln was a good movie. (laughs) Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was (laughs) going to be a game. (laughs) You know, like um, Daniel, Daniel, Daniel Day. Day. He needed Daniel Day. He needed him, needed him he to needed really him. carry he them. Have him. Like nobody. I, and I'm just thinking, if you go, if I went to the theater, and I saw. I, and no offense, but like I, I don't know. Like if I had seen a, a younger or like a midlife Will Smith in that in that role, I don't. I wouldn't. It would have. I would not It wouldn't have been the same movie at all. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if you had seen that version of, you know, some no name actor person, if, if Christian Bale was minority, minority report, I don't, I don't, I, I wouldn't have watched it. I wouldn't have cared about it. Yeah. And so it's For sure. It, and not I'm saying anything on Christian Bale. I just think like, I think Christian Bale is like a wonderful actor, but like, if they just put, you know, whatever person at the time in there,
0: yeah, it, it wouldn't have been the same. But yeah, I think we're getting to a, to, to a point here where like it, it, it's really, especially for Steven Spielberg films, the actors, I think he's a really good actor's director. But if you don't put the right actor in there, it's like this miscommunication of tone and sentimentality that just doesn't work. And that, and that kind of brings the coldness of it. Ready Player One was really fun. I just don't think the main character was a good actor. <laughs> I I I I he was all right couldn't carry the movie, couldn't carry the movie. he couldn't I, and I think he was ben just a young guy that they put in there
1: Ben Mendelsohn uh, amazing in that movie yes ben mendelsohn is a great bad guy and when when we were watching him in as every bad guy during that year I loved yeah. it because he was yeah. the bad guy in uh in the Star Wars yes star wars movie i'm just saying like the star yeah, wars he was. he was even always you know, he's, yeah. he was a bad guy in star wars movie he was, I mean, he was just everywhere at the time. Yeah. And I, I think I love his acting. Uh, I do. I don't want to shy away from. Um, I love Michelle Williams. I think she's going to be great. I think this is not even her prime because I think as, as she becomes an older actress. Oh, yeah. She's going to get those. She's going to. And i like, I'm not. Yeah. I don't want to put her in the same breath as this person. But I'm just saying, like, she's going to get those Meryl Streep type roles. Dude.
0: That's, that's going to amazing. get
1: her yeah. in, to have a bigger career. It's 100%. not over for her yet, but I think she's in that middle ground right now where like, you know, she has to be placed in certain movies, but because, she has proven herself. Oh, no no, 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 not yet. It's just the age range. All actors yeah. go through this age range where like they can, they can kind of take a break <laughs> because you know, it's, it's just not. And like, she was this really shy, you know, young girl. And she was amazing at it. And then, you know, like the she has that middle age. There's just so many parts for those middle age women that there's not enough parts to go around. But as she gets older, I think she's going to be one of those people who is going to be amazing. We're going to see her in films to come. She's playing that Marilyn role. Uh, She played that Marilyn role. I'm sorry. She played. Yeah. 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 That I thought was great. Uh I just remember her in Blue Valentine. She was amazing and broke back. Um this article mentioned Manchester by the Sea. I mean she is by the sea. And I was just like, that that is one of like the uh the breaking moments for me is Michelle's like monologue, which ends up being like the, the third act. It's like the it's the beginning of the third act of that movie. And she just kills that monologue. And I just can't, like, we don't know, like, we don't know much. She has not spoken in the movie that much. And, like, she's just, like, she meets him again. And I'm like, oh, man, Michelle Williams kills it every single time. Have you watched Manchester? I have not. I have not watched it. (laughs) I've heard amazing things about that.
0: That's with with, uh, Ben Affleck's brother, right, Casey Affleck?
1: Yes. Yes, and there's been, you know, Anything that has Casey in it, <laughs> a lot of drama. But, but it's an amazing movie. I want to chat with you about it afterwards, too. For sure. For sure. Uh, yeah, I,
0: yeah I, I think Michelle Williams' addition into this movie makes me a lot, uh, makes me feel better about it. Because yeah. as a guy who wants to make movies, has been enthralled with the idea of movies my entire life, I want to see a movie about young Steven Spielberg making his own home movies. That is just like, that's like something that I I think I I will go out to the theaters and watch and have wanted to see forever. Like, look, like notwithstanding, Steven Spielberg has been a, has been a, a a pivotal actor in the worlds of the movie industry. I think there's a quote from Orson Welles. He said he said this about Steven Spielberg. He was the first of us to never see the presidium. What that means is that before Steven Spielberg's time all of the actors and directors are all people who came from the stage. There were the people who were in theater, right? And they did theater stuff. So the movies only reflected the ability of what theater could be. It was Steven Spielberg who came and who only had a camera in his hand and elevated the technology and prowess of film to give us movies that were not beholden to the stage but he broke apart the stage and just opened up film to be of the planet and the world. And he brought technology in that elevated storytelling. Um, and like, like, he, like the, you, you cannot say he's not one of the best to ever do it because he, he is. And he like, not, not even that, but like even to science fiction filmmaking, he elevated science fiction filmmaking to where it is now. If it wasn't for Steven Spielberg, we wouldn't have the Avengers movies and we wouldn't have Marvel. Right, because he right. he he created the sci-fi genre into what it is today, into
1: oh, yeah. A, a, yeah, into a something that is serious and people. We take would Avatar from. if it wasn't for Jaws. Like yeah. I, don't, I don't think that, yeah. that gap could have been filled in that deck, in those decades. Yeah. You know I mean? absolutely not. Just the elevation of it, um, right? So uh, yeah, you know, and, and then um, what we haven't mentioned yet is the the Tony Kushner. I mean, like he did yeah. in America. Um, he's he's done so many of these uh more recent projects. Which, Munich, I mean, geez, yeah, yeah, and, and and these recent projects that like I don't know uh, if we're gonna you know this kidnapping of Edgar uh Ed, Edgardo Ortara. I don't know if I'm. Saying oh yeah, that. yeah, I don't know how to say that word either. <laughs> but I I tried, and um you know like the this article mentions this movie that it's still like it's it's still even unmade. <laughs> it's not even made yet, but that Kushner and Spielberg wrote, you know, help write the script. So we're going to get a lot of things told to us when West Side comes out, when this kidnapping movie comes out, because that, I think that'll tell us a lot for this project that we're talking about. It'll just tell us like, you know, they're going to have some practice ahead of them. Uh, I mean, they did Lincoln together. They did Munich together. That's what I'm saying. But they're already, I'm saying like, they're already kind of building it, but like, I'm just saying like recent right now, like they're, they're, they're working night and day with each other right now. So it's going to be great. For good. sure.
0: Um, I'm, I'm excited for this. I, I just, I, I really love Steven Spielberg. And like, I think, I don't, I don't know what it is. I think that, I think something happens when you become a certain level of successful where you're surrounded by just a constant stream of yes men. Yep. And you don't have anyone really criticizing you and telling you exactly the things that you should be doing to make a story better. And people just give you everything and you just do anything. That's kind of what happened with Michael Bay. Um, and I think that's kind of what's happening um, uh, to, uh, I think I think Ben Affleck's latest projects has probably been part of that. Um, and I, I just, I'm, I'm hopeful this is gonna knock it out of the park and I just really am excited for this. I think Michelle Williams is gonna kill it. I wanna see this biopic and I hope it's good. Um, cause I fucking love Steven Spielberg. I think he's amazing. Um, and I just want to like his movies again.
1: <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> no, me too. I, I, you, you said it best. Uh, that's exactly what I was going to say. Um, I really want to enjoy his films again. I want him to have that passion that he did early in his career. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that this kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to see these, like these next three movies, these movies that we just mentioned. And, um, you know, and then maybe they will take a, turning a turning point because like if he had a resurgence in his career the sky's the limit
0: yeah oh god the guy has a blank check he can do whatever the hell you want he's like Scott. Clint Eastwood
1: <laughs> and like if if he only got better like it yeah. would be crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah for sure uh Elizabeth Banks is directing a movie called Cocaine Bear which is going to be produced by Phil Lord and Chris Miller uh Just to give some context, I'm going to read an article from Slash Film. Deadline reports that Elizabeth Banks has signed to direct Universal Pictures' Cocaine Bear, a film written by Jimmy Warden and described as a character-driven thriller inspired by true events that took place in Kentucky in 1985. The, the uh, uh, The events pertaining to something called Cocaine Bear that can't be right yet. Yet it is, as per Roadside America, cocaine bear affectionately known as Pablo Escobar was a 175 pound black bear that died from an overdose of cocaine after roughly $15 million of the drug that had dropped from a drug smuggler's airplane. And the story gets crazier from there. The smuggler, Andrew Carter, Thornton the Second was a wealthy son of an elite Kentucky horse breeding family who fell to his death when he bailed out of the plane, hit his head on the tail of the air, aircraft, and didn't open his parachute until it was too late. This is just—I mean, like like Elizabeth Banks' like last directorial debut, notwithstanding. I fucking love everything about this. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, the film, like Chris Lord and Phil, and I'm sorry, Chris Lord. And, Phil, uh, Lord Chris and Phil Lord and <laughs> Chris Miller. Phil Lord and Chris <laughs> Miller. I think they're fucking comedy geniuses. I think they can do no wrong, at least right now.
1: Can, can you remind me what we reported on them recently?
0: Uh, so they did, so they directed Spider-Verse. Right. right. They also Hard did 21 jump street, 22 jump street. Uh they were kicked oh, off oh. of Han Solo. Um, and I believe I forget what their last one that we talked about, that they were oh 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 um they, the were, they were they were they're also it, doing a female 21 jump street. That's the one that yeah, we, we did uh, the Aquafina uh yes. jump
1: movie.
0: Yeah, that they were gonna be involved in that as well. Um I forget the directors of that one. we were talking about the, the female directors of that one too, but like uh.
1: I, I'm just looking at their, like, their list, and they're yeah. busy guys right now. Yeah, like, busy, um, busy guys. Yeah, really busy. I mean, not not to, like, just not even counting what um, the Lego movies, the Batman movies and stuff like that did for them, uh, but Into the Spider-Verse did so much for them. Oh, God. They are, they are just, like, on, on sh- they're on TV series, they're, yeah. they're on they're on movies galore, uh, they're working on like, they're working on the projects that we mentioned, sequels, and, yeah. and, and like, they, they have exactly, like, we, these guys are gonna be in the news forever because they're community geniuses. Yes. I, and yeah. and the, their goal, it, it seems like, you know, whoever, uh, what, what studio has this? Because it's- Universal. Yeah, they struck gold with these guys. Yeah. And so, uh, continue on, Arnie. Sorry. To I, yeah, on.
0: I just want to say, like, like you said, they're they're comedic geniuses, and I think they at least currently they can't do no wrong, and I hope like that, like they're they're entering this phase where they're they they're definitely going to have yes men surrounding them, and I hope that doesn't hurt them. <laughs> this story is insane. It just reeks of just like just like all balls to the wall craziness. It's in Kentucky. It's about a bear that eats cocaine, fifty million dollars of cocaine. Let's talk about Elizabeth Banks. Um, I think that her last couple directo debuts have not done well in the box office, and I honestly think oh. that she was she was given she was given a lot. She was given a lot. She did the last I think the last Pitch Perfect wasn't a bad movie. It it did okay. It did well because it was a Pitch Perfect movie. She did the Charlie's Angels movie, um,
1: which I, I I didn't watch, but I know didn't do too well. I, 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 mean, I, 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 I think the last time we talked, actually, I asked you, he was like, hey, did you, has anybody watched that show? Yeah, yeah, I don't think I, you watched I, it. I, 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 it, it. I almost forgot it happened. Yeah, but. it happened. It, it
0: was a thing that happened. And I don't think it was her fault completely. I just, I just think that she's just a director that just has gotten really big, really big projects without really exercising the directing chops. You know, I, I I think that her best projects are yet to come because she really hasn't exercised that muscle. I love her as an actress, and I think her stepping off of those movies that were kind of you know girl centric, they were really um and and Pitch Perfect was definitely something that she was involved in from a long time. She was an actor in it, she was a producer in it, she was a writer in it, and she was and it was she was she was handed that
1: franchise. She was hilarious in that movie, by the way. <laughs>
0: Sorry, excuse me. As, as needs, to, um, yeah, about. she was really good in those roles, and, and it was a project kind of tailor made to her skill set because she was just of the projects, and then she was given Charlie's Angels, which was you know she never directed an, a, an action movie, and she really hadn't really directed a movie of that kind. You know, and I and I can understand when a director goes full tilt into into a kind of project they have never done before, why that project didn't really do well. It didn't really deliver, because you know, at the end of the day, she hasn't really done that kind of project. But now she has gone through the directing school of hard knocks. She's got some. She's got some battle scars. She's got some wounds, and I think she's learned some fucking lessons. And I think. She definitely has some good, solid work ahead of her. And th- and being with Phil Lord and Chris Miller as people who not only are incredible directors in their own right, but I think they understand tone and especially comedic tone in a way that a lot of people don't. Because like like we were talking about Steven Spielberg in another video, Steven Spielberg, his early movies... Are really, really well done and really well made because he can bring sentimentality and action and budget into a movie and do it really well. I think that's what they, I think that's what Chris Lord and Phil Miller do really well too. They bring sentimentality and comedy, right? And big budget things together in a really, really concise and nuanced way, right? And I think with their minds at the head of this project, with Elizabeth Banks's, like, actually has. She has uh were experience points now to really bring this project to fruition. And I just love the fuck out of this story. Like I just
1: really want to see this on the loop, the big, big screen. I'm hoping I'm hoping exactly what you said that with the backing of Phil Lord, I don't think she's had this kind of producer power behind her. Yeah. Um in this. Um, I think I think a uh, pitch perfect was uh Rushed by studios because they yeah. know it. they knew that it was kind of like, it was this. Uh, well, I can't believe I'm gonna use this word. I'm not a better one, but this fad. <laughs> um, it was a franchise. It, well, look, I'm just saying, like you know, just musical, like musical yeah. kind of type movies were a fad at that time. Glee, yeah. Glee and Pitch Perfect came out very similar timings. That was they were trying to uh, they were trying not to let the bubble pop on them, so they were, they wanted to get it out. I, I don't think it had that much as much power as the original one did. I don't think it was a bad movie. I actually watched it. I I kind of liked Pitch Perfect 2. Um yeah. it wasn't as good as Pitch Perfect 1, but like I said, it, I think I I could feel that it was rushed. I could feel that it yeah. was it wasn't as, you know, like I think it was hilarious. I think Elizabeth Banks was hilarious in it. Um and like the whole cast was great. It had a, a spectacular cast so like I wanted to watch that movie because of, um, people like Katie Seagal, Adam, De- like Adam Devine, uh, Rebel Wilson, Anna Kendrick were in it. And like that, those, that was a great cast to, to watch cause they're, they're just going to be funny. And, um, I think, uh, I, I read this article where Kristen Stewart says that like, uh, you know, like they were talking about the, of how bad Charlie's Angels flopped <laughs> the box office. I mean, I think it made you can, you'll know better. You'll know the numbers a little bit better than I do, but it, I think it made like 17 million box office. <laughs> Jeez. And I don't, no, I don't think that's good. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah and it was before it was right before
0: the pandemic i think it was like 20 Uh, i think it was like right at 2019 like the last quarter uh,
1: yeah like maybe in pandemic times that would be a good number but like like, that is not uh, that was not a good number for a pre-pandemic and so i think uh kristen stewart said if i had like made a, if i if i wasn't proud of the movie and it did this bad i would i would kind of like i'd kind of be a little devastated But I was very proud of this movie, and I think we all went to have a good time. So it was all right. (laughs) Like, dude. (laughs) So yeah, those were just some funny quotes from that. I thought it was hilarious. Um, I I didn't watch it. I don't know if a lot of people did. Obviously, so uh, yeah, obviously. (laughs) So I mean, you like it's just I thought I thought Charlie's Angels was a little too soon. Anyway. Because I thought Drew Barrymore, I thought like to not bring back any kind of like, because these these actresses are still there. You know what I mean? Like it's not like Drew Barrymore is so old that she can't make a cameo, or you know, or um, oh my gosh, what was her name? Pass the torch, so to speak, maybe. Right, exactly. Lucy
0: Liu. I mean, they're still they're still around. They could they could they could have a
1: cameo, and I think passing the torch would have been a proper way of doing it. Right. Exactly, and that's that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it could have easily been done. I mean, don't you know, if the original Charlie's Angels did it for the, you know, the 2000s Charlie's Angels, but still, like, you know, the 70s Charlie's Angels, like, I think they were kind of in bits and pieces of of the um the 2000s ones that we all yeah, know. there was definitely cameos for sure. So, like, I was just, like, you know, they didn't even try with that. So. You know, it, we knew it was going to kind of be a blunder before. Yeah, like... Go ahead. Oh, no. I was just going like, to I, say, I, like, like, like the story's good with Phil Lord with it. Uh, I think Elizabeth Banks is hilarious. And I thought, um, like, I thought, I was just going to say, it. I thought she was, like, an amazing villain, like, in even the Power Rangers movie, which, like, was going <laughs> to suck no matter Dude, what. Dude, I like the Power Rangers like, movie. You what? I'm just going to say it. I liked it. Yeah, I like liked the Power Rangers movie. I thought it was, I thought it was fun. I thought, I, me personally, I thought no matter what Power Ranger movie came out, it was going to suck. I <laughs> thought it was going to suck. I liked it because I went in there thinking it was going to suck, and I liked it. So yeah, I liked it a
0: lot. I thought it was a good, fun movie uh, for sure. Uh, but like, I, I also think that Charlie's Angels was just not the right. It wasn't the right movie for Elizabeth Banks to direct first, away from being away from being uh, from a project
1: that she already knew right pitch perfect she was involved in it she was in it it was her world and right let's let's kind of rewind let's let's remember how we opened this big segment anyway which was uh we were talking about um creed and ryan kugler and we're giving all this praise to ryan kugler uh kind of handing the torch off to michael b jordan well i mean Elizabeth Banks has worked with Phil Lord and Chris Miller in some of the Lego movies, you know, yeah. they, they worked together. Yeah. They have worked together is what I'm trying yes. to say. And yeah. so we don't know that, that like, we can't even, we can even say like, maybe they're doing something like that, you know, like giving, they're passing some projects to their friends kind of type thing that happens all the time in Hollywood. So maybe, I mean, this, this movie has to be made, obviously. We, we yeah, not yeah. really know the story, this movie must be made. Yeah. I, think, I think we should make the bad version of this movie. Yeah, like we, absolutely. We should try to get it out before they do. Yeah, <laughs> <And> it's sold <still laughs> to Netflix or Amazon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, let's make the bad version of this. Uh, like, content is needed. Yes, content is needed in this world right now. Yeah, I, I
0: like that point because you're so right. You're so right. In in this like Hollywood world, Like, actors can make good movies. Actors can make incredible directors. It, it is it is has it been proven time and time again that that is a thing. Clint Eastwood, Ben Affleck, like it is the thing that can happen, and I, and I think that if we Ron, if we,
1: Howard.
0: Ron Howard, yeah, Ron Howard, like like it, it, the list goes just, on. Like, yeah. it, it is a thing that happens, and I think Elizabeth Banks. We 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 kind of pigeonhole her into this like because Charlie's Angels was not that good, and because. Pitch Perfect was just, she was on the ride already and she just kind of took the reins because the studio wanted to just like steamroll a sequel. And they were like, well, she was writing on this project, let's just give her the reins to direct this movie. And the the, the truth is like, she is a very novice director, right, who really took on projects, one that was in her wheelhouse because it was trying to get done. And then she was handed a really big project. She was handed an all-female action movie, um, which I think was probably like not the best thing for a real like first time director to take on, right? It, like, I, I, when, like, I, I don't know, I watched um a little bit of the of the the Aaron Sorkin movie that just came out. Um, I forget the name of it that was on Netflix. Trial, um, the trial, yeah, of seven. yeah the trial, of the, the the Chicago Seven. You could tell that it was a first time director just based on the blocking of the of each scene, you know, you can tell. Like, like it like his writing prowess didn't translate, but because I think it was just too big of a movie for him to try to do the first to, write, to, to be the first of his of the first directing schnapps to do, right? And, and I think I think Elizabeth Banks has the ability to do something great. And I think that her, I think she was just given to like right, like, like Michael B. Jordan was in big, giant action-packed movies before. Elizabeth Banks has been in kind of comedies, right? She's done kind of dramedy movies as well. She, didn't, she wasn't in the room or in the, the machine of doing big budget action movies, right? right? So I think the knowledge that she will gain from doing that will definitely help her in making a solid movie. And, I, and I, you're right, her, her, her relationship with Phil Lord and Chris Miller is just another cherry on top of having her really have some schnapps into making this movie. Are good and 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 like actually delivering something that's really like you know a fun time and i think that
1: she can fucking do it man and i want to see the fuck out of this movie for sure well, it says that she wrote the screenplay to charlie's angels as well <laughs> which yeah I, it's like damn man like uh, i don't know oh, she I don't, did um yeah yeah so i i think you're right or you know like i think uh I think we can hope for the best in this one and I can't wait to see this bear movie. I think i want to watch it just because now that I know the story, it's going to be like, you know, I went in and like, uh, I, I was thinking about the, you know, one of the movies that we reviewed. Um, Oh man. What was it? It had a lot of killing in it.
0: <laughs> um, did we, uh, was it, was it the, uh, the one where everybody was like doing, um, like, uh, like it was gra- was there be you- hunted
1: in the woods. Yeah. yeah, It was the greatest, like, it's basically, you know, another version of like the, the greatest game. Yeah. Kind of type thing. I forget the the name of it. We just got to go back to our YouTube page and check out what I I got. Our anchor pulled up right here. But I just got, I got to like, you know, that, that I'm just thinking back to that movie. Is like, it didn't, it didn't really is the hunt. It didn't really like, it wasn't like a big, right. You remember, right. It was the hunt. Yeah, The Hunt. It was The Hunt. Yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, and, like, it wasn't, um, it wasn't well-known. It wasn't, honestly, it, it was one of the last movies before, uh, COVID really, really hit. And, um, it wasn't well-known. It wasn't well, uh, advertised. And I remember going to watch that because, in theaters because I was like, oh, Dan, Dan Lindelof. I was like, I want to watch it because Dan Lindelof. And I was like, and I just saw Dan Lindelof attached to it, and I was just like... Going to watch it no matter what, because even if it sucks, it's gonna be a, it's gonna suck with Dan Lindelof behind it. Yeah, I thought that was good. I I think that's gonna start being a thing. I'm hoping that starts being a thing, because like now I'm like I'm gonna go watch this Phil Lord, even if it's a bad, like, <laughs> even if it's a bad movie. It's like a, a produced, be a, yeah. because I mean, they're it's just, just that good. A Lord badly produced movie. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, it's a fun. It's probably gonna be a still fun movie to just watch because right. the idea is in it are just like outlandish, right? For sure. Um, well, I want to see the fuck out of this cocaine bear movie really badly. I want to see some Hicks and some cocaine drug lord shit. Pablo Escobar (laughs) (laughs) shit. That's That's a good did you come up with that or is that the article? (laughs) Yeah this is the article. It was it was it was the nickname of the bear. (laughs) Probably in some news article at some point (laughs) during the fucking recording of it.
1: I I now want a bear called Pablo Escobar.
0: And today we're going to be talking about the Great Emu War. (laughs) Uh, Just to give some context, I'm going to read a little bit from SlashFilm.com. In 1930s, Western Australia had a problem. An overabundance of emus. (laughs) The solution? Send in a bunch of soldiers with machine guns to cut down the emu population. (laughs) The story gets even stranger and better. But while many birds were killed, the emu population continued to thrive. It is dubbed the Emu War by the media. And, by, and in the end, the emus won. Now two people who you probably never expected to be working together, John Cleese and Rob Schneider, are teaming up to make the Great Emu War. <laughs> Bro, this is like... Like, if you've never heard of the Great Emu War, I heard about it from a TikTok. Just a random TikTok I was scrolling through when I heard about this. It is real. In Australia, 1930s Australia, there was a fucking emu problem. So they they instructed the military to go out and just fucking murder the emus. But they couldn't stop them all. And so they were dubbed the winners of the war. Um, I, 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 I want to say this about Rob Schneider. I think he's a really good actor. I think he is probably one of the most underrated comedic actors in history. Wow. Um, oh. uh, I mean, have you watched some of his, uh, have, you,
1: have you watched some of his later stuff? Yeah, I haven't watched I, honestly, I'll say I haven't not watched anything in the past decade of his stuff.
0: So he's he's done a couple of TV shows that are a little kind of esoteric. He does one called the uh, the Rob Schneider Show, I think it's called, where it's just basically him playing himself. Real Rob, really, really, really good stuff. It's uh, called Real it's, Rob. What's it called? Real Rob. Yeah, Real Rob. It's it's really good. I think it's it's like in the same vein as like um, uh, episodes. Uh, it's just really well done, and I think he's really good in it as well. Um, and if you remember, like like Deuce Bigalow, Mel Jiggleow, bro, like that yeah. was a
1: fun movie. That's I think he was, yeah, like something like that is what I remember. Bedtime Story, you know, he was a a longtime protege with Adam Sandler. Yeah, and he was associated with almost every big Adam Sandler movie for a while. And
0: yeah, I, yeah, I remember that one, like, when, like, uh, during, he, he played that, like, hit guy in Waterboy who would say, You can do it. And yeah, then, and then like, and then Adam Sandler would also, like, they would swap roles when it was one of his movies. He Adam Sandler would be like, You can do it at some random time.
1: Right. Sure. But, like, I'm just thinking of, like, there's so many times where he stole one of the most iconic roles of movies. I'm thinking. I'm. I'm just looking at it, and like, there's no way that like you wouldn't remember the "You Can Do It" in Water Boy, the delivery yeah. guy in Big Daddy. Yeah, <laughs> ahead of her. <laughs> he steals the show. He's so hilarious in that. Remember, like, yeah. he was just like, uh, like he's introduced in that movie by like not wanting to make his delivery. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and saying, "Hey man," uh, or like, "Hey man, we got this order wrong. Do you want to?" You want to share this food? <laughs> <You know? laughs> or like, you know, I live precariously to you, man. Like, you yeah. let me know about these dates. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, Little Nicky. I'm thinking of, like, Little Nicky. He's also the townie and Little Nicky. Mr. Deeds, he's the Italian delivery man. He comes back in the same role. Yeah. And uh, he was in 50 First Dates. He plays a very iconic role in that, too. He comes back as, like, the same character in other things. And then Deuce Bigelow, he was great in Deuce Bigelow.
0: Yeah, and like, and like
1: I, made that franchise, right? Like, I mean, yeah, like,
0: yeah, made it to a big franchise. And he does this thing where, like, you know, kind of like Adam Sandler, he has, and like we were talking about, Bill Soberg, he brings a mentality to his acting that I really fucking like. And that's the reason everyone likes Adam Sandler too, because he really like Adam Sandler is really funny, but he's also really fucking like, he plays like that good guy really well. You know, where like he's like the nice guy, the good guy, and he just brings a sense of vitality to his acting that I just think is really fucking fun.
1: But I was gonna kind of mention this uh, in our last thing when we were talking uh, in our last video when we were talking about Elizabeth Banks. Um, there's something very different when you're in that type of comedy. There, there's there there is different types of comedy in, in the genre, and I think there's like a big difference between like even. Even the guys who played in the middle, who I think is like Joda Hill and Seth Rogen, they they do these movies that are just slapstick, really funny, but they also have really good roles around them that take that sentimental part of the movie. I'm thinking of like things like instead of just doing Pineapple Express movies, you do 50-50. You know what I mean? You do something yeah. that like is there is yeah. still. But like you can add depth into that comedic role. And I think that's something that Rob, Rob Snyder and like Adam did well in the 90s and brought that genre up with them to where we didn't just need the stupid movie, uh, which uh, that which is how Adam Sandler started, right? Like Adam really yeah. started more doing um, water – like what we were talking about, Waterboy um, – Happy Gilmore, those types of things that had like a little bit of a sentimental side story, but he really got more popular with having things like Fifty First Dates and that kind of stuff, where they added that emotion that that was lost in comedies.
0: Yeah, and I I, I miss yeah. that. Yeah, and I miss that in some comedies and Adam Sandler comedies when they are really good, they do that really well. They really bring some funny funny aspects to it. But he is just such a he brings a lot of heart and, and, and just real emotion to some of these, but like 50 first dates is a perfect example. Cause that the, the cause it's a hilarious movie and and the premise is super funny, but at the heart of that film, it is about a man falling in love with a woman and their love just kind of like the whole aspect of the movie is about the love that he's trying to build with a woman who has
1: something really terrible happening. To he changed the game when like people started crying what, you know, you go to a comedy because you don't want the chick flick. You didn't want to go because of the chick flick. You didn't want to cry. And yeah. you end up crying at the movie. You know, you're yeah. like, Adam, Adam, you did it. In, I mean, he did it in Click. <laughs> like, you know, like he, did, he, he brings that emotion in like things like yeah. Click and stuff. Like, yeah, he, he, he was a genius in his heyday.
0: For sure. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think Rob Schneider, I, I think he gets pigeonholed a lot because he's not – as attractive as Adam Sandler. Um, And I think that plays a big part of it um, because he just doesn't look like the nice guy heartthrob, you know, Um, but I really do think he's a good actor. And he really showed a lot in in that TV show that I was talking about. He's really, really good in it. And I've watched a bunch of episodes of it. And I think this kind of project with John Cleese of all people, right let's talk about john cleese for a second storied actor just comedic genius monty python just just the the kind of uh, like like uh, he's done roles of all kinds of all stature i think he's fucking knighted the fact that he is in this project as well speaks volumes to the script and the thing that he's that's coming together and if i I showed you i'm gonna show you back to the article he's literally fucking hugging rob Schneider, if they're having yeah. a bromo, that like, yeah.
1: like,
0: you're bringing like the fact that John Cleese alone is being part of this project like, speaks volumes to the prowess of this script. Um, he's also writing this script with a guy named uh, his, uh, his name is Zach, uh, I forget the name. He teams up with a guy named he's a comedian, an Australian comedian who he's teaming up with It's Monty Franklin, he's a stand up comic from Australia. Um, I haven't seen much of his work, but I like like that they're bringing in an actual australian to write this thing well uh cuz that's important you know um and I, I, I'm thinking back to the kind of movie this is probably going to be this is going to be a it's going to be a war movie against the emus right so we're going to get generals and like military men it's going to be like this out in the world boonies thing where just like we're attacking it's going to be like operation dumbo drop but it's operation kill as many fucking emus as you can and I am just excited to see just the 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 chemistry between John Cleese
1: and Rob Schneider. Right? I think it's gonna be great. I mean like John Cleese has not done that much. He's done a lot of voice acting recently. Yeah. More you know, in the last couple of decades. So I'm really gonna like seeing him on the big screen. It's a great subject. Um I hope I hope our subjects never mix. I hope the cocaine bear never meets the war. <laughs> <anymore. laughs> <Like, laughs> But, god, that should be our movie. That's what we should do. We should make the great Ewu War Pablo Escobar <laughs> mashup. Oh my god, we can make the uh, you know like the Sharknado. We can make <laughs> Pablo Escobar versus That's how we do it, man. That's how we get in. We make those movies.
0: <laughs> we make the movies that combine all the fucking movies together.
1: See, <laughs> we get in there as a comedy horror movie. First. <laughs> <laughs> um. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm mean, excited. Seen, we haven't gotten to see John Cleese on the big screen for a little bit, and that's all. You're right, I'm like right. I, I can't wait. I can't wait to keep, to really get him back, get him back, and like like I haven't seen Rob Schneider in the big screen for a while too. Yeah, I think this could be this could be special. As yeah. we saw that picture, even with that picture, I think the picture is special. So I think I think this could be a good movie. I think the I can't, I can't wait for the great movie. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: I, I, yeah, absolutely. I wish nothing but the best for this movie. The, the best, the best, best for this movie. Um, I think the fact that uh, you have a talent such as John Cleese stepping into this does say that he thinks this is good. Because John Cleese, like, I, 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 John Cleese doesn't do a bad movie, all right? No. He, he doesn't step into something lightly. He's the kind of actor that reads scripts and makes sure that it's good. And make sure that it's something that he can definitely put his hands into and do a really good thing. And he is a comedy legend. And like the the melding of the kind of underdogged talent of Rob Schneider with the with the, a story talent of John Cleese in a great Emu War movie is just something that really excites me and makes me feel like there's a new era <laughs> of Rob Schneider movie that is coming that I hope is really good for sure. And I'm just, I, I want to see good comedy, man. A uh, good comedy in the world. I want to see a good fucking uh, war comedy. Some of the great war comedies, you know, uh, you got uh, a good morning Vietnam. Like I said, oh, operation cool. double drop, you know um, what's that one with uh, Keenan, uh, not Keenan with, um, with one of the Wayne's brothers. Uh, it was a guy's name. Uh, it's like the, uh, the guys, I forget the guy's name in it, but like a good like war comedy movie is something that I'm just uh, I'm really interested. In. And of course, of course, the the classic uh, um, uh, the cast of the classic the uh, uh, one with Robert Daddy Jr. Uh, playing a black eye. Um, yeah, Tropic Thunder. Tropic Thunder. You know, I think that, that's probably the best, like, war movie comedy we've seen in a long... That has, that's come out in the last couple
1: fucking two decades. I'm just... I want a good... things blowing up. Like, that's what we wanted. Like, yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, a good fucking, like, war comedy movie is definitely something we have been waiting for and hasn't happened in a long time. It's, it's time for something like that, for sure.
1: And I really do... Like, when you mention this, like, I just see... John Cleese is just so fitting in a war type movie like this. Like yeah. he like he's one of those guys that like, thank God he never did it because you know he was like, thank God he never does these types of movies because you know they're usually bad, but like he's the kind of guy that I'd love to see as the the guy that gets stuck on the island with Godzilla, or you know, the <laughs> guy that's like, you know, he, you know, like stuck on a like King Kong style movie. Like if, if he was in those. You'd watch it, you know, because, like, John Cleese is just perfect in those roles. Um, Yeah. But he's – I mean, he has 173 credits or 171 as an actor. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, in the last couple decades, he really does pick and choose what he's doing if it's not voice acting. Because he can make all his money voice acting because he's a legend. Yeah. Absolutely. And and he can just put – Monty Python, like, he could put Monty Python on a, on a Dr. Pepper and make money off of it. So, like, <laughs> Hell yeah. Dude, yeah.
0: I'm excited for this. I hope it's good. Uh, I just want to see a fucking emu war. the fucking great emu war, bro. Who the fuck thought? I don't know when it's going to come out, but I'm fucking excited for this. And I'm just, I'm happy for the chance that Rob Schneider has again. This is, like, you know, a really fucking good chance for him to come back out. You know, come back out, show the world his schnapps, and actually really fucking, you know, I just want to come back for Rob Schneider
1: is what I want. I want a solid yeah. comeback. Yeah, me too. I mean, like, uh, uh, that's that's all I was thinking about whenever we like when we were looking at this article. I was like, oh man, if he can, if he can come back, I think he's of that age where um, his looks are different now. He can play different parts. I was telling you I think earlier. slow, too. <laughs> yeah, and I was telling you earlier, like in a for a different video, that like uh, the age of an actor makes a big difference in Hollywood. Yeah, because there's just certain roles that you can play. And there's, there's just certain things that people don't like, you know, don't want to see. We, we didn't, you know, we didn't see Adam Sandler in a movie in, the, in those middle ages for a while until we got something like, you know, uh, Jim, uh, what's it called? Jim sir. You know, uh, uncut gems. Uncut gems. Oh yeah. I was trying to, you know what I'm saying? Like we didn't, we didn't give him yeah. a role because, because like that role is very specific to the age. And yeah. like, it's very tight casted. Like it's very, yeah. like, and there's people who already fit into those roles too well that people rather see. And like the, there's people like Brad Pitt who like, no matter what age he is, you're like, you're, Oh, is he an old, you know, like he goes, makes me ball as a four year old. And he comes back. <laughs> he comes back to <laughs> this year. And he's like, you know, some buff guy playing t- years younger like he can go your way so many times. That, like, and so the, the, there's actors who can't who like don't have that like luxury <laughs> and um i i think we could really see like rob snyder come back in that in that later later part of his life yeah and that, you know, that sure. second yeah. half of his life he can, he can come back and, and be really good yeah for sure Comedy's there, there and we need it we need it badly yeah oh yeah dude
0: absolutely after this after everything man man oh man last couple of months has been fucking wild especially in texas <laughs> by the way guys that's why we've been gone for so long fucking texas
1: has been through it <laughs> uh, but, but uh... yeah um, i think uh you know like let us know i, I think people should let us know what our um uh, their favorite rob snyder movie is and you know some of the, their favorite roles in his uh, their favorite roles of his is what I was trying to say right you know like yeah, that. I'd love to see some comments and stuff like that for sure and uh, also let us know what John Cleese movie
0: you want us to to review
1: <laughs> Yes, <laughs> for sure that's needed
0: yeah for sure definitely please like comment subscribe I have a little project called the Arnie Diaz show it's a little bit of independent journalism there's some interviews and stuff uh, and uh, Drew what do we always say
1: go watch a fucking movie
0: Go watch a fucking movie.
1: And before you end it, Arnie, I just want to talk about one thing real quick. Okay. That's like a clip out, like not part of the clip out, right? Okay. I just wanted to, uh, to get your mind. Like, dude, I just, I'm taking everything I watch nowadays with a grain of salt, right? Like right now content is all, is all B content right now to me. What do you mm-hmm. think of- of this idea. I'm like, I was, I was gotten in an argument because the, uh, I watched a movie that Netflix just recently re- released. Uh, it's called Moxie. You heard of Moxie? No. Um, but this movie is actually, it was actually a pretty good movie for a Netflix made movie. I'm saying that because Netflix is the only thing we have right now. <laughs> to, yeah. That's been, you know, building stuff. And besides the stuff that gets, release on HBO max. Yeah. Like we, we don't have the luxury of getting like those really great films. Yeah. Um, I think,
0: well, yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that, you know, Hollywood has shut down and there's just been a lot of movies that have been pushed aside.
1: And then you've also right. got this. The quality's like, not there For the stuff that is getting there. Like, I feel like there the, the quality control. Is not all there? Right. Well, I mean, you're also seeing movies
0: that like, like, studios are like, we know this movie is going to hit, so we're going to wait, right? Or we're going to sell off the movies that we know are probably not that good and just make our money from the streaming services, right?
1: Um, yeah, this – uh, you know, I, you know, we can – I don't want to, like, review this movie. I'm just saying – I just want to, like, to say this, this one thing. is like this movie is – I've watched a lot of movies. It it gives some stuff, but it's not as independent as the movies that came out in theaters as independent movies. I'm thinking about like the, the, the hate you give things like that, that are independent films that make it to the theaters. Right. The, the, uh, there's like a heart, the sound in my heart or something like that. And it was, uh, Oh man, I can't think of that guy's name. He he's always with Amy. He's always in the Parks and Rec with Amy Poehler. Uh, you talking about um, Ron the, Swanson. The Ron Swanson, yeah. But oh, what's his real name? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. He's a comedian for sure. But um, you know that guy released an independent movie, and, and it was like in Brooklyn and all this stuff. And I was like, you know, there's a lot of thoughts that they're good. They're good ideas in the, those movies. But Nick Offerman. Yeah. Nick Offerman. Yeah. yeah. And like there's there's good thoughts in these movies, but they always don't come out like in the right pacing with good direction and, and, you know, good producing. So they don't they don't have like what we're used to seeing in like cinema cinematic, like true cinematic movies that get released by studios. And so like these things are kind of getting like these movies that are almost like not an independent film, but like 75 percent. Yeah. (laughs) Feature film are getting put on Netflix, and I was just like, "Oh yeah, it's like uh, it's it's kind of there, yeah." <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm like, and I'm yeah. just like I, I feel I feel bad, but like they're they're B they're they're not B-list movies, but they're B-list like cin- like uh, cinematic features. They're like they're they're B-list features, feature films. Yeah. And I was like, the, and that's like it's not like when are we going to get good content again? It's just talking about like we need good comedy, but like when is that gonna happen? It's gonna it's it's gonna be a while. But yeah, we need yeah like
0: something there has not, something hasn't really hit right. We haven't really seen what's a, what's a streaming service movie that really hit. You know, there really isn't there isn't much right. Like, well, like,
1: I can t- I can tell you like good really good movies for the platform, <laughs> but like I couldn't tell you like great movies that were like so good, like, that's the top movie of- Right, a- they, t- they, they, they
0: struck a cultural touchstone and stuff like right. that. Like, I think a lot of this, a lot of what's happening right now is, like, let's, like, like, three things, right? First, a lot of really good filmmakers are making television shows. A lot of really storied, like, guys who know their shit are making Ozark, right? Yeah. They're making Better Call Saul. They're, they're making, you know, they're making solid television, right? Um, And then what else is happening is we have, we have streaming services that are just throwing money at the wall and they're throwing money at the wall towards maybe inexperienced people. And what we're seeing is just like, we're seeing the money machine roll in and, 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 and giving chances to people who would not have otherwise had
1: chances um so that's what we're seeing as well right and we've seen that a lot with like directorial debuts like bad boys where you know bad boys were like we hadn't even heard of those directors yeah and they were they were just like they were given their first big budget action film and we're like whoa you know like yeah that's a lot to give and, them. Then,
0: and then netflix you know, announcing they're going to release like 60 movies this year who is it? netflix like, right. saying that you're going to release, like, 60 movies this year? I mean, that, that's, like, that's 60 directors movie, that we didn't even know about. It's like a movie a week or something like Yeah, that. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're just and constantly so, turning them out.
1: Yeah, and, like, uh, I was trying to think of the movie that I saw. Uh, it's called The Old Guard with Charlize Theron. And I was like, that was a really good movie for Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, and I, I think it was, like, one of the better – if you go watch it, I was like, it's one of the better Netflix movies that you'll see on there. Um, it has a 6.6 on IMDb. It's not like, you yeah. know, it's not like great, but it's one of the better movies I've seen on there. And um, that that's, that's the content that we're getting from there. And like, it's, it's like, it's, it's starting to me starting to feel like we've built a really good minor leagues for feature films. Mm.
0: That's a good way of putting it, you know. In a lot of ways, I think uh, I think you're right. We've never a had perfect murder. way. Yeah, we've, I think, we've always yeah, had, We've had like independent film, but also like getting an independent film scene is so
1: fucking hard. And independent uh, film was so far from a feature film yeah. back in the day. Like you had the rare types of movie called like you know you had the rare little Miss Sunshines, right? Like you had that that actually but even that even that had name actors in it. And it had money. It had a lot of money, but it was totally like, it was like, uh, we're not going to really widely release it because we don't know you yet. (laughs) Like, you know, like that kind of thing. It didn't have the trust of a feature and it had a lot of acting and money behind it. But, but like now we're seeing like, cool, we're going to put, you know, the money, the the producer the like and then like you know maybe we'll have a new director or something but I think we're creating and I don't think I don't know if it's going to be a good thing we're creating just way more shittier content in this minor league <laughs> well I, I think a lot of it is an experience
0: right I think like you're talking about like a movie a week, right? That's, 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 that's like a a, a single motion picture that Netflix would probably is paying for has millions of dollars in it, has probably a hundred people working on a single movie as well. And even more if we're talking about special effects. I think what's, what is happening is the streaming wars is creating a content machine and that content machine needs to spit out as much as possible so what's happening is you have inexperienced people writers directors producers all coming into the fold who would not have otherwise had the big budget hollywood machine behind them going off and making movies and what we're seeing is people just kind of figuring out their shit right in front of us and i think what's going to happen is we're going to we're in the, we're in a period where all of these people are starting to make their first movies, their second movies, right? And I think eventually what's gonna happen is content will come up that is amazing and it is great. And it's just like we were talking about Elizabeth Banks and, and Michael B. Jordan. Um, like my, uh, Michael B. Jordan is in the machine, has, has gone through like the big budget movies and has done those things. Elizabeth Bank hasn't been part of the big budget action movie machine, but then she was given an opportunity, didn't do too well, and that's what's happening where opportunities for the industry is at an all time high even with even with movie theaters being shut down the fact that online has become what it is the opportunities are going to grow and i think in that system there will be there will be new filmmakers created who are like instead of like i made three or four independent movies that never got picked up but, I, but they were shown at like weird random independent film festivals right. like in bumfuck nowhere and then eventually I was able to make a big budget movie just because like four of my movies got like really renowned shit from like Kentucky film festival. And remember, now it's going to be like, I made four movies on Netflix within a span of 10 years. And then now I can actually like, I know what the fuck I'm doing.
1: And now it's I'm going totally to be different. Too, like, Cause like, I remember a film that I really wanted to watch. It had like the dude, you know, the little Mexican kid from like modern family uh, was I think him and like James Franco were in a class at UCLA together. Yeah, and they produced a film, <laughs> and like it went to it went to like all the um, the festivals and such. Yeah, but there's hundreds of thousands of festivals. But it was like never released, and I was like, oh, like I had heard a, a really funny story or something about it, and I was like, I really wanted to watch it, and like I wanted to watch it, like you know, let's say like in 2012. Well, it didn't get like released on a DVD or anything for like three years later. And I was like, by then yeah. I was like, yeah, it's because they were just festival writing it. And, like, But I, I don't know if like, and, and like Netflix is doing a lot to kind of produce original content. They're translating, like which things that we had not seen before is like they're translating films from other countries and, and you know, releasing them yeah. here, which was like, uh, I watched... Like I watched Lupin, which was like the show, it's a French show and like it's dubbed all in English. It's a good show. It has a great, fantastic actor in it. Um, But I was just like, oh, this is like, this is weird because like we're in such need of content. I'm not saying like, like it's bad. I'm just saying like that it's just, it's, it, it, it hasn't been done like widely before, like the way yeah. it is. No, for sure. This
0: content, you, you know, and I, I think it's ultimately a good thing for the industry, right? Because yeah. the opportunities are going to be glory, like out there. Like I think, like like that. The thing is, like we are going to start seeing filmmakers who have not done the the festival circuit as much. Like they're going to be guys who just like came out of uh, film school and like 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 helped. They helped on a picture that was directed DVD, but now it's Netflix and Amazon, right? And those movies are actually going to be seen. And you're going to be able to collect metrics on that. That's the thing, too. Like, independent films, like, maybe you got a DVD release somewhere, right? But now it's on Netflix, so you're going to have some traffic, right? More traffic than you would have if somebody had to, like, go into a a, a movie rental place, find your DVD, read the back of it, and say, hey, this might be a good movie, right? Right? but now it's gonna be on a massive database where uh, most people can look at it and see it. And like now we're gonna be in, a, in, in an era where somebody made a movie like five years ago and it was released on Netflix, didn't get any traction, but then five years later, it's still there. People have watched it, word of mouth is gonna spread and then it gets popular again. It's just like Cobra Kai. So Cobra Kai, was a YouTube original TV series and then it was released on Netflix with like three seasons in the can. People binged watched it, became the biggest thing on Netflix for a, for like a, like a solid month and a half and now it's going to get a you know and now it's got a new season, a new season's going to come out as well. That kind of thing is going to happen.
1: Yeah, that, and there was things like a uh, Shit's Creek that yeah. me of yeah. Creek. I think Shit's Creek was an awesome show, and there was plenty of people who told me about the show when it was actually on air. Yeah, but the the finger one click away was not <laughs> was not right it was not there for me, so I didn't watch Shit's Creek until it came to Netflix, and I'm I looked I'm, I'm looking at this right now. Um, so far. Netflix has released this year, 25 original films. Um, a lot of movie, <laughs> that's a lot of movies, man. Uh, 25 original films. I've, I've watched three and uh, I, I've missed one. It's on my list to watch, but like I watch a lot of movies and I've watched three of these movies <laughs> Um at which, but which is not a lot out of 25. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. If, if, if you know it's not everything like you know like not all of them are you know not all of them are in english first of all yeah. <laughs> okay. but uh netflix is producing a lot of content right now yeah um but when we start saturating them i'm just worried that when we start saturating the market with this much content that's not a list content I'm worried that we won't get back to that A-list content, especially with something this, this just reminds me of things that happened to TV uh, during the writer's strike.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think
1: we're like, like,
0: yeah. I also think that fear is like, it's not, it's not misfounded. Right. But I feel like
1: speaking of that I, fear I, factor I think, was one of those shows.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like, yeah, as you know, the, the human. I think as as animals, as human beings, we crave story. Story. I mean, story is part of our DNA. It, 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 and and I, I and I've I've been researching journalism, um, and I'm reading this book called The Elements of Journalism. And in it, they, they they detail the history of journalism and that that journalism storytelling about the current moment and just storytelling in general it, is part of our human experience and has been part of our human experience since the beginning. It's prehistoric. Um, our, our want and need to tell stories about the moment is something that not, not just about the moment, but just, you know, fantasy and things like that. It is just part of our, our animalistic being. It's what we are. It's part of us, regardless of what we, we think of it as just being an intellectual thing or not it, it is like being able to tell stories is just simply an expression of our humanity. And right. I, I, I think that
1: we will always tell stories. No. Yeah. And, and okay. no, I love, I love that. I love all that. I, I just like, I love that. I love that. And I know that movies won't go away. I, I don't think, you know, we talked a lot about, you know, will movie theaters come back? Is this the end of a movie? You know, the movie, the cinemas and stuff like that. We, we talked a lot about that during the pandemic and like, you know, we, we always knew that people were always going to want to tell stories just like you said. And I think there's a beauty in that. There's a beauty in that, that like will never change. And especially watching art, like watching true art on a big screen. Yeah. With other other people like that. There's something that like feeds off of other people. Yeah. There's a whole like, there's, you know, there's a whole psychology behind it that like when that person laughs, you know, like you're more likely to yeah. laugh. There's, there's, yeah. there's, there's a huge thing in that. And I think, I think that's always going to be there. Um, I, like what I fear, well, my real fear was that like, okay, so, you know, we had all this reality TV show stuff happen. Yeah. Right. And there was like a big thing and we're like, you know, everybody was like, yeah, but it's not going to last. You know what I mean? Like we're like, we're kind of like, there was a lot of people. I mean, there the, the yeah. really was a lot of people that were like, no, don't worry. We're going to get our jobs back. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, people are always going to – and, like, this is funny because it's it's not happening now. But, like, because like there's people are always going to want that CBS show <laughs> or that, you <laughs> know, that pilot, that, that good pilot on NBC. That, that, that police procedural. Yes. Yeah, so, or, you know, someone's always going to watch – the comedy Thursdays on NBC, like that's yeah. always going to be a thing. So we don't have to worry about our jobs during the writer's strike. And, um, you know, reality TV really did a reality TV really did a thing. Reality TV really came in and like k- killed it. You know, like they, yeah. they changed the game. They like, they changed the game to where those, the American idol, you know, there's stuff that we like, like, we yeah. like it's it's part of our life now. Like so you yeah. think you can dance? Uh the I don't know what bull crap they're they're coming out with now. Like, Matt the Singer.
0: <laughs> Matt mass
1: <dancer>, mass Singer. <laughs> yeah. that, that all stuff really stayed and yeah. has its own place now. That yeah. that didn't really exist before that time. Like game shows were actually dying out. Like we were killing off reality TV show game shows um and you know those top those that style is still dying out um and it's trying to have like a resurgence but like i'm afraid that we've killed this like this thing that was sacred to me we're killed we're slowly killing it now this thing that was sacred of like a, a movie took work and a movie like you had to really make it to like create a film yeah and like i think i think there's good and bad that come out of it like I'm yeah. so glad that, you know, anybody, like you just, you know, changed your battery, but like anybody <laughs> can have, anybody can have a camera, <laughs> you know, like yeah. anybody can come out with like, uh, sorry, I'm still attached. Everybody can literally make, yeah. With one of these and like really make a decent film. <laughs> like I can shoot, you know, you can, fil- you can shoot in 4K with that and you can like, you can actually... Like, I'm not saying, like, I'm going to make a movie. I'm just saying, like, you can actually make decent projects with something like that. And and so now that it's so universally handheld, like, that was all... I really enjoyed that aspect of it because now we can have things that, like, people are going to get better at their craft. But now there's this, like, middle ground where, like, does this mean anybody can get a Netflix show now? And, like, I don't mean anybody, but I mean, like those people that used to work really hard. We kind of talked about, uh, we were talking about like a director earlier uh, during our Steven Spielberg conversation. We were talking about Steven and like, we were like, you know, he had a lot of yes men and stuff like that. And like, we kind of missed that passion. Yeah. Well now, like if anybody can get a Netflix show, is that passion really going to be there to make, to make those Matt Damon, Ben Affleck scripts? Yeah. Um, and I'm yeah,
0: scared. I, I, That's I, all I,
1: wanted, I just wanted to pose that as like a bigger, a broader question.
0: Yeah. I, and, I, and I feel
1: that for sure. You know, we, we, went, we went really long. Yeah. I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. But like, I really wanted to like, kind of voice that like opinion. Is that like, um, I advise, I'm, I advise you to go watch this movie. I'm going to advertise it because I watched it. And it made me think a lot. It's called Moxie. Uh, it, it's Amy. I don't know if it's her directorial debut, but Amy Poehler directs it. Uh, it has an amazing, uh, amazing couple actresses in it. Um, it's a good comedy drama kind of type film. It's based off a novel. Um, but it's on Netflix right now. Go watch it. Uh I thought it was interesting for like, I thought it was really good. I thought it was well paced for like three quarters of the movie. And then I started seeing where it was going to end up. And like, I I'm not disappointed in it. It just like, it went below my expectations because I thought this could have been like a great film, <laughs> like a great film. And it, it, to me, it like, it got Netflixed out. It's, it's just like, <laughs> it ran out of gas. It just ran out of gas to me. <sighs> like well, that. Uh, <laughs> like Yeah. You know, it just kind of like, but it know, got made
0: and you got to watch it, right? It was on a platform that you could just one click and watch it and you had an opportunity to watch it. And now you're recommending it to people. You know, that's, true. That's, 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 that's the, that's the good thing about all this is that there is now a sounding board for otherwise, for people who would otherwise maybe not
1: had that sounding board. Yeah. And, and maybe, maybe, also, maybe it's, there's going to be good thing. I'm saying like, the, that's all I'm saying. Like there's good things and bad things that are gonna come out of it. Yeah. I just think like if. You got that extra polish that a a a universal would have done to this movie, you know, like a a big studio would have done to this movie. That extra polish, that extra that extra producer, or you know, I don't know what what it's missing, but like there's something missing about it. Yeah, from a real feature. And if it had that last little leg, that last you know that last leading to the finish line kind of type move, um we'd be talking about this movie. Like we, I would have told you to review this movie. <laughs> like you know, yeah, For sure. I would have ask, asked you to remove, like, you know, for us to do this review instead. I don't think it's worth, <laughs> like, <laughs> I think it's worth doing a, a YouTube <laughs> a week on it. So, okay. That's all I wanted to say, man. Um, for sure. Thanks for, thanks for uh, staying for overtime with me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this has been overtime with Andy. <laughs> <laughs> no for sure it's a great point and it's a good thing it's something we should definitely talk about for sure because it's the truth of the, re- the reality of the movie industry and the-, and the way things are and the way culture has shifted too but hey on demand is everywhere now and i think we're gonna find some fucking diamonds at some point there's gonna be someone that rises from this system that would not have otherwise had the opportunity if yes. it had not been
1: for I, I want us to get I want us to get to that point faster, maybe. <laughs> yeah, we're, oh, it's it's quick, bro. It's quick, bro. I don't know. I like, guess. Like I don't know
0: how long Memphis has been out, but it's, I mean, it, it's only been like five years since they've been really fucking right, hard. Right. I'm, just know, saying, you know,
1: like, I'm saying like, I want to, I, I want to get to the, like, I want to get to the point where we're finding those gemstones is what I'm saying. Yeah, for sure. I want to start finding those gemstones and, um. I think we're all hungry. Like I, I say, I think I've said it every video, man. We're all hungry for content, man. We're hungry for content. Cause it's not there. It's the new good content. Is it all there right now? For sure. We're ripe for something. We're ripe for something to come out. And, That's and like, blow us away. COVID stuff. This COVID, like it's just the COVID stuff really did a number on movies. Not being, you know, like I was like, man, it's been a while since like Peaky Blinders or Succession. <laughs> like yeah. last debuted, and I was like, I, usually you know you, I I remember waiting, but I I only remember waiting like a year. Now it's been like two years since I saw the yeah. last Succession show, like yeah. the last episode of Succession, which you usually just have to wait till the next fall, right? Yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you know, Peaky Blinders comes out. You know that they're usually filming, and then like you know, filming got pushed back. They're coming out with a movie, I think. Yeah, it's supposed to. It's supposed to have one more season in a movie, but. I was hungry for that season, (laughs) and now it's been two you know two years removed without a season. It's just like this this COVID really just did a pushback on content for everybody. Yeah, Um, and so I'm glad I'm glad some people survived it. You know, I'm glad we have some stuff. But yeah, yeah, cool, man. Sure, let's Let's end it. Let's end this, baby. Uh, What do you? What
0: the fuck do you guys think about the fucking the the this new wave of just content, this giant content tornado coming down upon us? Yeah, Uh, I I think it's giving I think it's giving filmmakers opportunities to do a thing, Uh, and I think we're gonna. I mean, what's gonna happen is just people are not gonna make as much money, (laughs) but we're gonna have a whole lot of content.
1: Arnie, when I cut this, what should the title of this video be?
0: (laughs) (laughs) An examination, an (laughs) a discussion about the current wave or storm of content. Uh, overtime with Andy
1: and Arnie. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thanks guys. Appreciate you for watching, listening, subscribe, comment, interact with us, man. Say hi. Yeah. There's a couple of you out there. Appreciate you. What do we always say? Uh? What do we always say there, Andy?
1: Go watch a fucking
0: movie. Go watch a fucking movie.